Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. I'm going to start with a fun story, okay? Because... Money in a British context can make everybody feel a bit squeaky bum time. And what I want to do is help everybody relax, including myself, because the thought of like being 68 for a start. <laughs> so last week, um, Sam kicked us off with uh, our topic of money, and camels was his topic, and mine is donuts. But I do have a story about camels for you, just to, yeah. Just a fun story. And because I so often give my husband a hard time from the stage, I thought I'd tell you a story that puts him in a really good light. Okay, so let's go back to 2007 when I was 14. And my dad um, used to speak, used to lecture at a Bible college. So I would go along with him sometimes because I got to hang out with all the university students and it was cool and I enjoyed it and I got to go to the cafe that was there and have milkshakes and it was great and I didn't have to pay because my dad did because 14, no money. So, um, I mean, still do that now. (laughs) So I went with dad along to all these different lectures, loved going with him. It was a great environment to be in. I remember one day we're sat in the cafe, I've got my hot chocolate. And uh, this guy walks over to my dad. I don't want to even try and guess how old this person was. They were definitely a mature student, okay? And he walked up to my dad and said, uh, your daughter's very beautiful. And I was like, thanks very much. (laughs) What 14-year-old doesn't want to find out that they're beautiful? And he goes, I'll give you nine camels. (laughs) What? And I looked at my dad, and my dad looked at me, and then looked back at this gentleman and was like, what? And he was like... I have camels, I'm from the Jordan, I give you nine camels for your daughter. And my dad's like, oh, this isn't a joke. Right, okay, Um, no problem. And suddenly we felt like we'd been transported back to the Old Testament. We're like Abraham's bartering for a wife for his son or something, you know. I'll give you nine camels. And my dad's like, thanks very much, lovely gesture. No, that's not going to happen. And Thankfully, I'm I'm going, I don't want to be beautiful anymore. (laughs) It's fine. I don't want any camels. And so a couple of days later, me and Dad are driving to um, our piano lesson. We used to do piano lessons together. It was good fun. And uh, as we're driving, I don't remember which radio station it is, but it was whichever one Terry Wogan was on. Is that number two? BBC Radio 2 is on. And um, you get to a certain age and you find that your radio stations change. Capital when you're a teenager. Radio 1 in your 20s, and then it just gets worse from there. And uh, we're listening to BBC Radio 2. Terry Wogan... (laughs) What did you just say? It gets worse. (laughs) Or better. It's up to you. And uh, we're driving along. Terry Wogan's chatting. And for some reason, they're talking about the price of camels. Like, genuinely. And so my dad turns it up because it's piqued his interest. And the guy on the radio goes, yes, the camels. Nowadays, 2017, inflation will mean this is a different price now. £10,000 a camel. At which point my dad went, I turned £90,000 down for you. So I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm really... I was like, the Lord will bless you, Father. Please. 
And so when me and Dan started dating a number of years later, 2014, I told Dan this story about this guy that had offered camels. Sam going, you know, he's got big boots to fill. You know, someone offered nine camels for me. The guts of 90 grand for me. So get your game up. Come on, pick it up a little bit. And so um, I had no idea. The early 2015, Dan had arranged a secret meeting with my dad. So he could go and speak to him and ask if he could marry me. And Dan had no money. I did not marry him for his money. But he was wonderful, and he still is. And he, with the last 20 quid in his bank account, bought four ornate camels. And when he got to the restaurant, he was a quivering mess, as my dad tells me. He's telling, Dan's telling me that they sit down and order a meal and he can't eat anything because he's feeling really sick because not only is my dad my dad, but he was also Dan's lecturer at college. <laughs> Let's make it all awkward. And so he sits with my dad and he pushes these camels across the table. And my dad looks at them and immediately knew what was coming. <laughs> and uh, I said to my dad, but he only gave you four. And my dad went, well... He was a good steward of its money, it's okay. <laughs> and my mum and dad to this day still have four ornate camels in their house to remind them that they finally got rid of me. So, <laughs> there you go. Fun story about camels. I don't like camels very much, so I'm really glad. And I don't know where in Rotherham nine camels would have gone. Where would you put them? I didn't have that big a garden to keep nine camels. It's hard enough keeping three children in, enclosed. But this week, we're not talking about camels. Instead, we are talking about donuts. And I've got some donuts. I was going to go for Krispy Kremes, but again, good steward of my money. Krispy Kremes is about as much as my mortgage. So we're talking about donuts, and I have a story to tell you about donuts. Who likes donuts? Oh, a few people. Ed's shaking his hand at me. A few people like donuts. You know what? I'm going to confess something. I don't really like donuts very much. Not at all. In fact, Dan came home the other day with a donut for me, and I, he gave it me, and I looked at him and went, why have you got me this? He was like, oh, I was thinking about you, so I was like, oh, I don't really like donuts. You can have it. Poor Dan, I felt sorry for him. But um, I've got a story about donuts. So there was a guy, this is not my original story, just to clarify. If you want to hear it told better, you can listen to J. John on YouTube. But there was a guy, and I'm going to change little bits of it. He'd gone to Starbucks in town, got himself a coffee, and whilst he was there, picked up some donuts. Headed to Central Park and sat down on the park bench. The sun is shining. The fountain is on. The grass is green. There's flowers blooming. I mean, Central Park is a beautiful place to be. I love it. People cannot believe that we have so many lovely green spaces here in Scunthorpe. And so he sits down, and there's a guy on the other end of the bench, but it's a busy day. It's sunny. It's warm. Everybody's in. So there wasn't many places to sit. So he, he you know, distanced himself and sat on the other edge of the bench. And he starts having a sip of his coffee. Then he, he gets the box of donuts that he's popped down, opens them up, grabs one, chucks it in his mouth. The guy next to him looks across and just pulls the box close to him, picks one out, and takes one, and then pushes it back into the middle. This guy's going, excuse me. He doesn't say anything because he's polite and he's British, right? 
He's just taking one of my donuts. Like, what? Okay, maybe it was a mistake. So, all right, you can have one. No problem. I will have another. Throws it in his mouth. A couple of minutes later, the other guy pulls it over, throws one in his mouth, pushes it back into the middle. And this guy is like, what is going on? These are my donuts. Why is he eating my donuts? Who does he think he is? Has he never heard of COVID? What are we doing sharing donuts? So he eats a couple more donuts. And I don't know if you've ever found if you've accidentally been sharing like a bag of crisps with someone, like a big share bag. Nobody shares a small bag. A big share bag of crisps or something like that. And you're eating along with someone else. But because they're, they maybe take two, so you take three. I do it with Dan all the time. <laughs> He's watching online. Sorry, babe. Um, and he'll take a couple of crisps. And I'm like, he's had more than I have. I'll have more. And uh, this is essentially what starts happening. So the guy's having one, and then this guy's having one. And it gets down to it. There's one donut left. The guy sat here, sips the last of his coffee, puts it in his bag as to not litter, picks up the box of donuts, which has only got one left, breaks it in half, eats his half, and then puts it back in the box and says, have a good day. And off he goes. Well, can you imagine? Somebody has just shared your box of donuts without asking. And now he has touched your last donut and broken it in half. And he is furious. He cannot believe it. So he throws the donut in his mouth. He's so cross. He can't believe that this has just happened. He swallows down the rest of his Starbucks, which now tastes bitter because he's so angry. He picks up his bag and off the top of his bag falls off his box of donuts. I told the story well. People didn't know what was coming. (laughs) He had been sharing the other person's donuts. And this person is long gone. You can't run after him and be like, I'm sorry. Do you want my donuts? That's it. He had accidentally shared somebody else's donuts and he was a bit embarrassed and someone else can have these donuts later but the other guy didn't complain they were his donuts he'd bought them with his money and yet he still allowed the sharing to happen I mean I don't know about you but I probably would have been like excuse me don't I'm sorry to disturb you but those are my donuts. You know, very British of us when we're interrupting someone, I'm sorry, but um, sorry, could I just squeeze past, please? You know, that sort of thing. People are going, yeah, been there, that's me, absolutely. And he'd shared his box of donuts. And here's the thing that we're going to talk about today. We have all been gifted a box of donuts, not actually because good steward of money, too expensive to buy you all donuts. But we've all been gifted something. And what we do with it is really important. And actually, although we've been gifted it, the one who has gifted it to us owns all the donuts. It all belongs to him. So what will you do with your donuts? Psalm 24 verse 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And then it goes on to tell us how amazing God is at making the sea and the sun and the earth and it all 
belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, each one of us, everything that we're surrounded by, all belongs to God. And I think that each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you cognitively, in your brain, you know that everything belongs to God. Got no issue with that. Except when the rubber hits the road and especially when money is involved. Because we have this strange sort of mentality when it comes to money, especially in the West, where money is king. Money rules over all. And actually, my money is my money. Why should I be putting 160 pounds a month into my savings for my future when I've worked hard for that now? Why should I give any of my money when I have been the one that works hard for it? See, the desire can be to hold tightly onto money. There's actually a kid's song that talks about money, and if you hold on tightly, you'll have none. But if you lend it, spend it, you'll have so many, it rolls all over the floor. Hey, some of you might know that. Some of you have got no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry about it. But money... At the viewpoint in the West especially is money makes the world go round. We work hard for our money. I mean, most of us do at least. We work hard for, it's our money. Every month when that money comes in, or maybe you're retiring, you go, I have spent the last 60 years working hard for this money here just to be confronted by rising prices and nobody inflates my pension. We need money to live, absolutely. And I think this is why money can be a bit of a a touchy subject, because we need it, we can't escape it. If you came to me and said, I'll give you three chickens for your whatever I sell, I'd be like, number one, hate chickens, don't do it. Number two, what am I going to do with three chickens? We don't live in a day and age where I know what to do with a live chicken. I would panic, panic. I hate birds with a passion. And people are looking at me going, why birds? I don't know. I don't know. But I hate, if you gave me a live chicken now, I'd be like, well, once upon a time, someone would have gone, yes, this is what we do. And we pluck it. Maybe if you gave it to my nana, she might have more of an idea what to do with a chicken because she is incredible. But I wouldn't have a clue. So don't hand me a chicken. I want your cold, hard cash. Take that as you will. (laughs) But instead of letting go of our money, we could give other things. So yeah, might not give chickens. But maybe you could uh, give your time instead. Maybe you could give your talent. Maybe you're a great singer and you could sing for Jesus. Or maybe you're um, really, really good at kids' work, so you can work with the kids for free on a Sunday morning after you've already been at work all week as a volunteer to serve. Absolutely. We, our, our time and our talent is incredibly important, but we always miss one of those T's. Time, talent, and treasure. And if our time belongs to God... Our talent belongs to God. Then our treasure also belongs to God. 
When everything belongs to God, why then is money so often a stumbling block for us? Maybe it isn't for you, but I expect that 90% of the people in the room, at some point or other, have found themselves contending with this. Ah, but it's my money. And if I just had an extra £100 a month, £500 a month, £1,000 a month, then I could be generous with my money. Then, then God can ask me for my money. And I get it. Been there, still there sometimes. But it belongs to God. So if we change our mindsets and remember that our money, everything belongs to God, then how does the way we spend, use, give our money change? Now, before people look at me and go, oh, please don't tell me to be one of those people that gives everything up. Tell you what, new life. Let's give all of our money, all of our possessions away. We can all just come and live here. One big commune. We need more toilets. We need a bath. Oh my gosh, the smell. And then it would get a bit weird. It'd just be a bit weird, wouldn't it? We'd we'd end up being a bit cultish. Be just, just a bit strange. So I tell you what, no, let's, you keep your stuff. Unless God specifically writes it on the wall for you, I am not in any way advising that you give everything away. Because actually, I do believe God wants us to have good things. And I do believe as part of that, that we have to be good stewards of our possessions, including especially our money. Because money makes the world go round, our money speaks volumes. And yes, there are people in this room right now that are going, I have like 20 quid to my name. Like, I don't have a job. Like, I'm a teenager. Where am I going to get 160 pounds from? And there are people in this room that have worked incredibly hard, have got incredible jobs, and have got a good living for themselves. That's great. The theory doesn't change. Each one of us, no matter how much expendable income we feel that we have, each one of us has things and all those things belong to God. It says this in Matthew 6. Let me find it in my giant Bible. Hold on. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one. I'm adding my own ways of talking in here. The Bible does not say gonna. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Money has become this stumbling block for so many, and I have found myself there. When me and Dan first got married, I joked about it and said I didn't marry him for his money, but I really didn't. Because when we got married, he didn't have a job, couldn't get a job. He was doing his master's and no one would hire him because he was studying. He was too qualified for this job and not qualified enough for that job. And, and he took little bits of like, um, not freelance work, that's not all I mean. He did bits of self-employed work and he did bits working in the kitchen for my mom, not in her house, but... <laughs> In the kitchen she worked in. <laughs> I mean, if you want, Mum, that's fine. Um, 
But he, he, had, he had nothing. Thankfully, because of the, the wise investment of generations before him, an inheritance had come to him, and Dan had put that straight into a property. And I remember when he bought this property, it was this grotty two-up, two-down in Mexborough that was damp, that was cold. And I walked in, and I looked at him and went, please tell me you've not bought this for us. And I thought I was going to cry. It was before we were married, but I looked at him. I was just like, please tell me this is not for us. And he was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it up with as little money as I can, and then I'll rent it out. And that saved us. Because when we got married, I was the only one bringing anything in. And so Dan's rental income meant that we could... So my, my wage paid for our bills, and that was it. And Dan's wage... Uh, income meant that we could buy food or petrol. Couldn't do both. That would be too extravagant. And so quite often, we would either fill up the car or get food. And if we filled up the car, it was because we knew we had people's houses we could go to to get food. So like mum and dad's or Rob and Rachel's. And they'd send us home with extra food. And we'd be like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you are good, O Lord. But one of the big things that we found ourselves battling was that when our money came in at the beginning of the month, a portion of that was meant to go back out to church as our giving. And we had made the decision that 10%, we were going to go with the, the tithe, we were going to go with 10% of our income. It was a huge chunk of money to us. In fact, that would have been the difference between either food or petrol, or food and petrol. And I'm not saying this in any way to big us up, because let me tell you, there were many, many tears cried. But we made the decision that whatever came, our tithe went to God. And we wouldn't ever change our standing order. It would only ever go up when our wages went up. But if our wages went down, we made the decision to keep it as it was. We made the decision that we wouldn't ever say, well, this month we'll keep that for ourselves because it's tight this month. And so some months, it all went out, and we sat, we cried, we prayed, and we said, Lord, this belongs to you. And I remember ringing my dad in tears one day. Dad, we can't do this. I'm feeling a little bit emotional now. I remember that feeling of we, we can't do this. And my mum and dad were incredible. They gave us a house to rent, which was at the lowest. I mean, they were getting in trouble off the mortgage advisors because they were like, that's too low. And we were determined that God had to come first in everything. How could I stand and say, God gets the best of me, but not my money? How could I stand and say to children that I was teaching, hey, God deserves the best of your time, the best of your money, but actually I don't do that. Because it's hard, and I get it, but do you know what? When we put God first, we never go without that which we need. And incredibly, sometimes, and more often than not, he gives us things that we didn't even know we wanted, things we didn't even know we needed. God is so faithful to us. And actually, it then goes on to say in Matthew 6, that is why I tell you not to worry don't worry about everyday life, whether you've got enough food or, or drink or clothes to wear or heating or fuel. Seek first 
the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you what you need. It, what comes in, to, and we're talking specifically about money, okay? What comes into your bank account, yes, is yours, but came from God. Yes, you worked from it, but God provided the job. Yes, the, the government might top bits of it up, but the, the Lord is in charge of that too. And then so often we put a barrier up there and go, hey, this is mine now. Listen, I know that you might look at your calculations, and I did it. You look at your sums, I write it down at the beginning of every month, and I still do it now because it's a bit of a hang-up from those early days. But write everything down, and I go, right, okay. That, the, these are non-negotiables. I give in to God our mortgage, because if you don't pay your mortgage or your rent, what's going to happen? Oh, the amazing thing is if we decide not to give to God, he doesn't suddenly just come in and like take everything away because he's really good. But because we love him, because he has been good to us, surely our first part of call should be, I want to give to God. It's not about, hey, how much have you given to God this month? Did you give your 10% this month? How much have you given to God? No. It's about the heart of, I want to. There are no punishments if you don't. There are no rewards if you do. Other than the unfailing love of God. Which, by the way, doesn't stop either side of the border. Doesn't stop whether you give or take. Incredibly, our God says, hey, I love you, weather. And so surely that should stir within you. I want to give of my finances. When we choose to chase money, you'll end up dissatisfied and with a bad taste in your mouth because it's never, ever enough. You listen to these people that are multi-millionaires and they're still chasing money. They could pay off each and every mortgage and rent in this place and they would still have millions left. And yet, it's not enough because they're chasing money. But when we choose to chase after God, we are fulfilled. We don't need more. We're blessed so often with more, but we don't need more. And with the rising cost of life, and I've spoken to some people in this place, out of this place, that have said to me, you know the extra £150 they've added to my gas and electric bill? We don't know where that's coming from. Put God first. You know that £1.73 I paid for diesel yesterday? Oh, oh, it hurt. How am I going to fill my car up? Trust God. Put God first. Yep, there may have to be some things you cut back on. You might have to cancel your Disney Plus membership. You might have to say, hey, Netflix is not that important. We'll put it to one side. You might have to say, right, okay, I normally would get a takeaway a week. Can't afford that. Going to have a takeaway a month. Do you know how blessed you are that you can still do that? If you woke up this morning with a roof over your head, with heating and gas and electric, with a car, which many of us have, with food in your fridge, you are one of the 5% richest in the world. We have got 
men and women and children running for their lives in Europe, we are blessed. And I know that, I know, I know that you go, well, if I just had a little bit more, I'd be able to do more. Absolutely. Do what, with what you have. When God gives you the little, he wants to see what we do with it. He wants to know that with the little, we will be faithful. And then he knows that if you get a lot, if suddenly the one million pound lottery ticket dropped in your lap, he knows that you would do what was right with it. You can be faithful with the small that you have. And yes, we may have to go back and talk to some of the older generations in this room and say to them, how did you do this when inflation was at a sky-high rate 30 years ago? How did you... I might have to go to my nana. I learned something new off my nana the other week, let me tell you. You're probably all going to think I'm bonkers. But my nana grew up in the war era. She learned how to ration food, and they still ate enough. They didn't have chocolate. They didn't have takeaways, but they had enough. And I was at Nana's house, and she struggles with her hands a little bit now, so I was helping her chop up the veggies. And uh, I got the core of the broccoli and put it to one side, and she, what are you doing with that? She says, oh, put it to one side to throw it away, Nan. Why would you throw it away? I was like, because it's the core. You don't, like, an apple core, and, you know, you don't eat it. And she was like, right, let me show you. So she picks up this broccoli core, and a little knife. She's got this knife that she's sharpened within an inch of its life. <laughs> and she, she takes the, like, the, the, the outside off. And then she chops it up and then she throws it in with the rest of the broccoli. And I went, Nana, what are you going to do with that? I said, the only time I ever use the broccoli car is to give it to the dogs. She looked at me and she went, it's the best bit. She said, when you have nothing and you're presented with a broccoli, use it all. And I suddenly, something within me stirred and I went, oh, okay. Maybe I could learn a little bit more. Maybe we are going to have to learn some tips and tricks of how to keep our heating low and, and how to use our money differently and how to make the most of the food we've got instead of going, well, I used to go out every month for a big meal, but now we can't afford it. Hey, those things are luxuries. And, and we get to enjoy them, and we're really blessed to enjoy them. But do you know what? If you never had them again, you're still blessed. God is still good. If you have to get rid of your iPhone and swap it over for a Nokia, you're still blessed. In a world where we're taught to hold on tightly to money, to think about you and what you deserve... I deserve a holiday, I deserve a takeaway, I deserve, I deserve, which can often say, I'm going to put myself first. God is saying, be countercultural, be kingdom minded, put God first, everything else falls into place. As followers of Jesus, and I believe this with my whole heart, we can still have nice things. So some of you are going to be sat there going, oh, she's getting at me because, well, we've got an iPhone. No, I, I like nice things. Let me just tell you, I walk into a shop and this does Dan's head in. I can pick the most expensive thing without realizing it. <laughs> it's my birthday coming up, right? I'm not going to tell you when because this is not a plea for gifts. 
But my birthday's coming up, and I decide Angie's going to laugh at this because she was in the office at the same time. And I said to Dan that I'd, I'd quite like a black handbag. I've got a brown one. I've got a cream one. But I'd like a black handbag. And I'd seen one that had got this bamboo handle on top. I said to him, I didn't dare look at it because I suddenly realised it was a designer handbag. And he goes, how much do you think it'll be? I says, oh, probably between 300 and 500 pounds. I obviously have never bought a designer handbag in my life. So Dan goes, well, let's have a look. You're 30 next year. You never know. A group of us might put together and buy you a nice designer handbag. And I'm thinking, well, okay. So guess what happens, Katie? We Google it. Two and a half thousand pounds. <laughs> Nearly died. I was like, I tell you what, Dan. If you want to spend that sort of money on me, take me on holiday. Don't buy me a handbag. But it, it's okay to have nice things. Look, if you like designer handbags and that's your thing, and you've got the money to do it whilst putting God first, go for it. Enjoy a nice designer handbag. If you enjoy a sunny holiday and you can get to that without going into debt and still putting God first, absolutely go for it. We don't, I'm not saying we can't, as followers of Jesus, have nice things. When I'm not asking you to come in burlap cloth and like the same pair of underwear that you have to wash every morning before you wear it. My mum's looking at me like, Elena, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> we can have nice things. We're all here in nice clothes. Most of us have, have driven here. We've all got houses. We've, you know, whether you rent it or you own it, we, we have nice things. I'm not saying you can't, but what I am saying is those nice things shouldn't come at the expense of God first. And actually, when we put God first, you sometimes find yourself blessed with nice things that you never, never anticipated. When you put God first, you sometimes find yourself going, I, I have everything I need. I asked Angie, I'm going to embarrass you, Angie, I'm sorry. I asked Angie the million pound question in the uh, office the other day and said, Angie, if I gave you a million pounds, if I had a million pounds to spare, what would you do with it? And, and she sat for a couple of minutes and thinking, oh... It'll be like, pay me mortgage off and do it. And she went, I don't need anything. I'd bless other people. I'd give away because I have everything I need. And we, we had this moment of realization together where, oh, every material thing that we need and want, it's dealt with. And actually, when God is first, we then find ourselves going, oh, well... I don't need this whole box of donuts. In fact, looking at this, two donuts is enough for me. And so I could give three here and four there and one there and the rest to Ed. <laughs> but God has to be first. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Your bank account is the Lord's, and everything in it, no matter how much or how small. Be a good steward of your money. Yes, save if you can. Yes, give where you can. Yes, make the most of your food budget. Yes, make the most of your petrol and your, your gas and electric. Make the most of what you have, but always put God first. So maybe the challenge is this morning, you're sat there going, I um, don't regularly give to God because it's tight let me encourage you from a place where I have been there. Put God first. 
Some months it will look impossible. And then suddenly a hundred pound gift card for Tesco drops through your door and you go, what? How did that happen? You put God first and suddenly the food keeps multiplying in the dish, even though you didn't think you'd have enough to feed your family. You put God first and he never leaves us without. And sometimes he gives us what we want. There's a story, a a bit in the Bible, I can't remember exactly where it is, but I think it's Jesus talking. And it says that um, if you ask your father for bread, would he give you a stone? Give to God first. Ask him for what you need. And he is faithful, continues to be faithful. There's sometimes you don't realize how faithful he is until you look back and you go, whoa, wow, how did we get here? How did this happen? Put God first. So my challenge to you is this. What will you do with your donuts? I mean, yeah, enjoy one. (laughs) What will you do with what God has given to you? Because he's given us more than we need. And so who around you needs you to be obedient? What is it that God is asking of you? Maybe God is saying to you, I need you to give regularly to me. And whatever, I'm not doing this as a plea for the church. Yep, regular standing orders help us. That's no lie. But I'm not, it's not about us. This is about you and God and your relationship with him. Maybe he's asking you to give regularly to him. Set the standing order up so it can't be changed. Maybe God is saying to you, okay, you've got everything that you want. You give to me. You've got things that you need. Everything that you need. Maybe there's some people that you need to help. Bless whether that's secretly, whether that's sidling up alongside someone and saying, hey, I want to help you. God should be first always. And so, yeah, money, it's awkward. If you've got it, it's great. If you don't, you want it. But if you put God first, it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying this as someone who's rolling around in thousands and thousands of pounds because sometimes you hear these talks from people who have got lots and lots of money and they're going, oh, it'll be fine. And you're like, yeah, you've got a Rolex on. Of course it's fine. But actually, as someone who has faced these challenges, who has sometimes had to go, oh, do I have enough? Should I ask God for more? Have I given to God rightly this month? Yeah. Let's get rid of the awkwardness around money. It's not ours anyway. What we do with it is important. But it all belongs to God. Let's be good stewards of the things that we have. The money that we give. How we spend it. Enjoy it, of course. Bless others, but first and foremost, God should be at the center of how we choose to use, spend, and give our money. So I'm going to pray for us. 
some of you might be feeling your heart's pounding a little bit much. Because it's scary. Money makes the world go round. Thankfully, God is bigger than money. He doesn't need money to make the world go round. He made it go round before there was a single one of us on it. Lord Jesus, thank you for your good and perfect gifts. Thank you, Lord God, that we are so incredibly blessed. Thank you, Lord God, that this morning when I woke up and turned the switch, the electric came on. Thank you, Lord, that when I opened the fridge, there was food in it. When I turned my car over, there was diesel in it. Lord God, thank you for your goodness to us. But Lord God, right now, I pray for each and every one of us as we battle with these things, like, regularly. Lord Jesus, would you help us to be content in the knowledge that you own everything. That we don't need to try and grab money. We don't need to try and grab, grasp hold of it. We don't need to try and hold tightly to it. But instead, we can stand with open arms, knowing that, Lord Jesus, you are in control. Help us to be people who are wise stewards of that which you have given us. Help us to be generous givers. And Lord Jesus, help us even in those tough moments to remember that you come first. Lord, for those this morning that have been putting you first and are finding themselves in difficulty, Lord God, would you bless them? Lord Jesus, would you show them your goodness in a way that can only mean something to them? A kiss from heaven. Lord, for those that have been faithful for years and years, Lord Jesus, would they know your face shining and smiling upon them as they have served you well. And those of us that are maybe embarking on this journey for the very first time, Lord God, give courage. Lord, for those that maybe have done this for a long time, would they share their stories of your faithfulness? people sit round with coffees and food together would there be a time of your faithfulness being shared Lord God of how when you were put first your goodness was evident in their lives Lord would you help us to be thankful for that which we already have thank you Lord God that you give us everything that we need and so often the things that we want. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.